you are listening to AI Ready Healthcare. I am Anirban Mukhopadhyay, your host from Tiu Darmstadt, Germany. The purpose of AI Ready Healthcare is to connect the advanced technological knowledge of Mekai society to different stakeholders such as clinicians, industry personnel, regulatory personnel to name a few. You can expect deep meaningful conversations about bringing AI into the real clinical routine. Opinion belongs to whoever said it. Anything said here is not medical advice. Together let's make healthcare AI ready. Had I the heaven's embroidered clothes inwrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark clothes of night and light and the half-light, I'd spread the clothes under your feet. But I, being poor, have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. You are listening to He Wishes for the Clothes of Heaven by Yetz. And now, in today's episode of AI Ready Healthcare, I had a chat with Dr. Kostin Ridder, who is a practicing radiologist, and he talked about his journey of actually translating an AI product to clinical care. Welcome to the fourth season of the podcast AI Ready Healthcare. This is the first recording of 2022. So happy new year to all the listeners. I'm your host, Anirvan, and it is my pleasure to welcome our guest for today, Dr. Kostin Rieder. Kostin is the chief radiologist at MVZ Ullenbroch, and he's currently located in Dortmund, Germany. He is very well known for his research around Mama City, which is a new form of breast diagnostics with City. But Kirsten is also very passionate about translating AI into clinic. Recently, he won the German Medical Award for Innovation in Clinics. And I'm really, really looking forward to an engaging conversation with Kirsten for the next hour or so. So welcome to the podcast, Kirsten. Thank you very much, Aniban. It's a great pleasure and honor to give you my insights and to yeah, go on with this interesting theme for the next hour. And yeah, it's a great pleasure again. And Happy New Year to all listeners to this podcast. Yeah, this is really a wonderful opportunity for us because a lot of our listeners are coming from the Mikhail Society, the young scientists. So they would love to hear from you the clinical aspect of it. So that basically brings us to our traditional first question, which is always about your becoming. How did you become the clinician uh, researcher that you are currently? How was the journey? Yeah, no, for 20 years, I'm in radiology and I got a broad variety of modalities the last 20 years. I took a look into cardiovascular imaging, xenological imaging, 
CT, MRI, ultrasound, biopsies, interventions. So the first 10 years were very dominated by looking at different modalities, techniques, and also forming and bringing modern techniques into daily routine. So we, my MVZ, with Professor Unbrock, we are known for choosing the newest techniques and adapting new technologies and taking them right into the clinic. And, and, and therefore, we are reference site from Siemens for the last 20 years. For example, we were the first clinic using spiral CT scan from GE 20 years ago. Then we were the first using tomosynthesis in routine daily senological diagnostics. And we were kind of the first using contrast-enhanced mammography in daily routine and also the MAMA CT. But the other focus is just to deliver daily routine imaging to our referring colleagues and the clinics. And it happened five years ago when we were in our daily routine asked to deliver more than 300 more thorax imaging per day for the referees coming from other countries. And Dortmund was a central station to get these people checked and then sent throughout North Rhine-Westphalia in the later, later days. And one of these checks was to get a thorax imaging, just to be sure that they are healthy, just to be sure that they don't have tuberculosis or any other disease, which then will spread out into the rest of the country. And this is a quite normal process. It, it's not only in Germany. It's, it's routine when you go traveling for a longer time to Canada or the United States or, or Australia. You will get this imaging and these examinations done. But for us, we had to build up this routine from one day to another. And this is not just done Simply, you know, have to know that even in my small practice here in the middle of Dortmund, we are running four MRIs, uh, a fast CT, ultrasound, xenological diagnostics with six doctors from six in the morning to eight in the evening. And in addition, we have to do this X-ray. So we build up a X-ray machine into this unit and we get a fast network and three colleagues working at the location to get the 300 images done. And then my list got longer and longer. My list <laughs> was 300 imagings more every day, at least not to look at it very closely, but I had to check everyone in time, in a time slot about 12 hours, and then say to the local colleague, okay, they are all right, or just have a closer look at their colleagues or the refugees. And as you know, that statistics from 300 images, two or three turned out to have an open tuberculosis or a big tumor or some other unhealthy disease. And using big numbers of images, I thought that would be a great idea to get some help, maybe some help from an artificial intelligence, any structure, any technique, which will help myself and my colleagues to get these big numbers turned around. 
It's the same as when you look in, in mammal screening. And due to my work as a program responsible doctor for more than 50 years, I know that there are some very helpful systems running around there. <laughs> I use all my contacts, at least, to Siemens, uh, to Mavis and some other vendors, if they have a work on the Thorax AI. And after a few telephones, emails and conferences, we started with a group um, of yeah, at least three. It was uh, me, then Clemens Jörger and Alexander Preuss from Siemens and also Andreas Fieselmann. So we figured out that we could maybe start our investigation about AI in Thorax because we, as a Mbosek, Uwenbrock had the big advantage that we can deliver high-quality data of thorax imaging at least over a bunch of 15 years. So we are digitized 20 years ago, and our database is completely stuffed with um, imaging and, and thorax imaging. About 200,000 uh, thorax are taken in the last years, and every one of them, every single one of them has a good quality, and every one of them is reported. Together with Siemens, with Munich, and with Boston, we filled the database of Siemens. And they took the engineers and produced an algorithm. And after half a year, or at least only for a month, we got our first feedbacks and looked at the images and at the findings the AI could find. And then we turned into the process, a process of evaluating and um, rearranging and redefining and talking about the needs and talking about the possibilities of this algorithm. And then we figured out that a good idea would be to focus on the big five findings, the big five findings in the thorax, which are about 95% of the pathologists which a clinician is interested in. That's atelectasis, that's pneumothorax, that's pleural effusion, tumor, or lesion, or for sure, a consolidation. And if you're done with those big five, you're at least really done with 95%. And then we get the next round and the next, and uh, Siemens did quite a perfect job, I think, because they learned about the findings they learned about the needs with a physician has to look at. And um, at least one and a half year ago, we were at the latest version of the so-called chest X-ray AI Red Companion that we get a big step. We get a CE approval and we are demonstrating that we have the same performance as an average radiologist and um, get an area on the curve with about 0.95%. So a really good performance, um, especially when it comes to these five central findings. And um, after one round more about re-evaluating and all that stuff, I had the clear impression that this system is really helpful. And then we figured out how can we deliver this technique to the colleagues who really need it. And um, that's a funny question because most of the AI installations I figured out before were only for us as radiologists. So they are 
located in a big hospital or they are located in a neurologic uh, or a network, but nobody really said, okay, where is it really needed? And in my opinion, it's needed in the hospital. And we are not talking about a university hospital with 1,500 beds and 24-7 attention of every specialist. But we are talking about hospitals of about 300 to 500 beds where the radiologist is going home at five. <laughs> and for the whole night, the whole shift, the whole weekend, the anesthesiologist, the internal colleagues, the neurological uh, colleagues, the orthopedics, and all the guys who are working and turning these shifts are for their own. Yeah. If you take a CT, the radiologist is called and has per telemetric medicine the possibility to look at the CT images, but for the normal imaging like thorax or any other joints or bones, nobody is called. But um, when you take this puzzle together, we are now having a technique which is looking at about 95% of the pathologic findings. And now we had simply the need to get it into the clinic. And there comes another nice part because we are serving at least now six clinics around here, which are mainly our home bases in the Paulus GmbH, which is near Dortmund and the area nearby, and some good technical hints of my IT and um, Axel Mertens, who is our IT specialist. Um, we were able, together with Siemens, to get at least 80% of the thorax automatically screened by the AI by the chest X-ray companion automatically for at least 24 hours, seven days a week. That means that we are now able to have an AI evaluation of our thorax images for all our clinicians, for all our corresponding and referring hospitals 24 hours, seven days a week, especially in the night, in the shift, um, on the weekend. And that's main goal of this AI, to give the knowledge and the eye of a radiologist right to the clinician who is in need of this technique and in need of a certain help. So just remember yourself and to the younger days or, or the, the earlier days when you were working in an emergency room of a normal hospital, yeah, and double it by three because today the emergency rooms are crowded. They are crowded from six in the evening to seven in the next morning. And the people coming in in 20 minutes rhythm, and at least they are all the night through, they are sitting 10 to 20 people in the waiting area and looking for your help. And um, if you are not a radiologist and have to look at the young fellow with um, dyspnea and some pain in his right thorax and you look at these images and you're not sure do he has a pneumothorax or is he just having some other problems you are very happy when you have an AI looking at your image and telling you I'm sure that she or he has a pneumothorax on the right side with an AI confidence of 10 so 
go out and help this guy and give him a drainage and not wait until he lays consciousness on the floor. And this is something which is really putting on the, the thumb in the wound of today's medicine and the shortness of one of our biggest resources. And that's us, that is the doctors, that is the, the people who are carrying 24 hours. And this AI system, even now, even now and for the last 10 months can help these problems and is a powerful tool we are having in our hands now. Thank you so much. In a short time, you draw a very important picture because a lot of the details lost when we are talking about radiology and radiology AI in what they can do, who will replace what, etc. So all the sort of nonsense noise that made the real problems a little bit in the background. So that's really a nice thing when you bring such a picture. It's immediately clear where the most benefit can happen. I guess a quick related question for our listeners is that you are working in a place in German, it would be MVC, in English it's MVZ. So what does that mean and are you doing more of a radiology focus clinic or you have some further roles? So I'm, if I got you right, uh, Anirban, you will notice if I'm more in an ambulant or in a clinical setup. Okay, I'm both. <laughs> That's the advantage of our MVZ. We are serving the hospitals and most of our practices are localized in the hospitals. So that is a kind of success model to put a high-end radiology institute into a clinic because it's a win-win-win situation we are constructing. If you have a normal-sized hospital with about 450 beds, um, they are not able to, to build a high-end radiology service by themselves because they don't have the money, they don't have the uh, manpower, they don't have the knowledge. But if you look at our institutes, they have a university status. We have a pet city, we have a high-end CT with 248 slices and cardiac imaging. We have three T-Tesla magnets and high-end imaging in all the uh, modalities. We have uh, fully digital sonological systems running with tomosynthesis and all that stuff. This all due to the co-work of ambulant and stationary um, imaging and services, and this is very powerful. And now these advantage released to this big advantage that we can spread out some kind of new software, some kind of imaging tools like an AI. All our practices and the corresponding hospitals just in theory with a click of a mouse. If I say, okay, this is a nice software, release it with some clicks of my IT specialists, everyone in our system can join and, and, and use this technique. And this is something we have looked right from the start with Siemens. Firstly, we developed the system of the AI Red Companion. We don't want to look at only one modality um, company or one vendor. We build a system which is running with almost every vendor delivering thorax imaging. And on the second, we don't want to have a system which is running 
on your machine in the practice or in your institute. This is a cloud solution. So the images are taken now, not right from the start, but now they are taken automatically from your packs into the cloud by a system which it's anonymized. And then the images are developed and the algorithm is working its way through the images and send it back the evaluation after three minutes. So virtually from everywhere on this planet, you can send these images with our system into the cloud, get it analyzed, and then back into your PAC system. And that's a very straightforward, very helpful technique especially if you're concerned about some guys who want to harm you or want to get into your system and you are afraid about something installed into your working packs or risk system. And that's very helpful, very easy, very straightforward and has a big opportunity to, to get some new techniques stuck on this again in the future. You can say, okay, I want to add this feature. I want to add that feature. I want to get to this clinic or I want to get into that network just by some small adjustments. Yeah, this is really wonderful. I guess uh, one of the follow-up question was basically you are talking about the business case here and I guess for especially the chest x-ray eyelid companion the business case is also the fact that you are not necessarily serving the radiology department but you are serving other departments who would benefit from radiology but because of the longer waiting time during unusual hours in nights weekends they can get faster, like the basic diagnostics back so that they are really taking care of the patients that they have to take care of in those hours. So do you think this is something that would really bring the question of actually putting the money versus getting the valuation of buying such AI products onto the question again for the hospital managers across the world? Yeah, so... To make it concrete, we are talking about radiology or imaging as a service. It's something which we are doing at least the last years. And Germany is special. Every country has its specializing things and themes. That's clear. But at the end, it's always the same. Somebody has to take an image and somebody has to do an evaluation and the reporting. And the system now is giving you a fast and correct evaluation of these images. But what is still missing, but we are working on that point very hard with Siemens and it's our project for the next weeks to get the findings, the evaluations back into your risk or your packs in a form which you can use very easily. And then it's getting interesting <laughs> because if you close this loop, you have a loop of reinvesting your energy and reinvesting your money. And this is the case, I think, at least in the middle or the end of this year. So you have to be sure that it's very dynamic and it is very complicated. But at the end, I think we have in short time a system which is delivering data back into your risk so you can use it for your reports you can use it for 
triage. You can use it for very simple way and then use it also to get your processes and your resources faster and better. And that's the end point, at least the next end point of our research to get a system running which can show really the benefit of this technique. Now it's, it's nice, it's very nice to have, and we are running some doctors around to get the feedback of the clinicians and to get the impressions of a clinician, of a surgeon or a gynecologist, which is working in the night shift and looking at the thorax and to get this feedback right back. And if he tells me, okay, I'm so happy with this technique because it helps me to make the right decision at three o'clock in the morning, I'm extremely happy with that. But to reimburse this technique, you have to get the data back into your system. And then you have a business case. Then you have, by this invention, can use this technique very easily to get your resources better, you are in knowledge of the findings, and you can make triage, you can say, okay, I've got 100, I've got 200, or even 1000 thorax images. And with one click, you can say, okay, 900 of these 1000 are fine, and they don't have a serious problem, I can take care of them later. For the first Next hours, I have to take care about the first 100, which the system figured out to have a problem like a pneumothorax or a consolidation or a COVID infection. That's a business case. And if we can prove that the system is working robust and with a high sensitivity and specificity, then I think we will have a big deal running, for me at least, as a person who is sitting right in front of this development to get it into the clinic and into the daily routine. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the prioritization of the sand is also sort of, let's say, a safer use case rather than diagnostic, simply because if you are a radiologist, the buffer you set for yourself in terms of the quality of your diagnostic, how likely you are going to miss diagnosis is much higher versus for prioritization, as long as you are not doing too bad, you are actually helping, right? So anything better than random is good enough in terms of prioritization. So that way the problem is easier. I guess the other question I had is sort of the thing that you said that you are sort of trying to complete the loop. So one part of it is, of course, getting the data up into the cloud and doing the inference analysis, but bringing the information back. Now, I did a sort of keynote in Roco last year. And one of the things that I looked at for the keynote was the funny fact that the photography and radiology has a parallel in terms of how this came along and how things were developed. However, what really didn't happen for radiology is that from that first radiology report written in late 1800s was an unstructured text, like a letter written from a doctor to another doctor. Radiologists still write the exact same unstructured text. So if something didn't change for 100 years, either it's a perfect technology like your coffee cup or something is really seriously wrong there. So can you tell us a little bit of 
the what form are you, are you trying to bring this information back? Will it be a more of a structured report or something else? And how that can actually make the entire process more efficient? It's a big problem in radiologists. We are talking about prosa. <laughs> we are talking about stories told with these reports. And uh, there are some systems running which are focusing on the structures reporting. And I think that that will be the future. Although for myself, I won't say I don't like those structures report, but they are very helpful. They are helpful in many ways um, for the younger colleagues, not to forget some feature, some finding, and to concentrate themselves to look at everything, every aspect of the image should be taken into detail. And the second for the referring colleagues, maybe if you have a decent question, you have a report over three sites, in a four sites, and your question isn't answered. So that happens all day long. Yeah, The clinician is asking, do this patient have a pneumothorax? And the report is saying, blah, 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 blah. No cardial decompensation, no pleural effusion, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and in the end, the clinician is still shrugging his shoulders and asking, does he have a pneumothorax or not? The colleague isn't getting to a point. And this is something that bothered me a lot because I'm, I'm very straightforward and I'm very clear, and I hate these long reports talking about what the case doesn't have. It's really annoying, but I'm sure 99% of our reports are even read to the end because they are too long, they are too lazy, and, and all the stuff which nobody is really interested in. So, and the third point is that if we want to get better algorithms, better AI, and we have to re-evaluate our systems, it's absolutely necessary for the future to get these structures reports because it's so much easier for all the technicians, IT specialists, um, algorithm technicians, and all the guys who are running the systems to get the algorithms better with the structures reported. And so it's also a win-win-win situation, although it's nicer to even nowadays, it's kind of faster to go your routine and make your reports like you have to use it the last 20 years, but we have to change. And we have to change into the structured reporting for sure, and it's the future. And if you have a structured report, you can very easily implement the AI findings into this structured report. Yeah, Maybe not everything, like a broken rib okay, or... A the correct position of a cathedral or um, something which we find in addition in our images, which the AI isn't sure about nowadays. Maybe in five years, they know everything and every artifact we are finding, even, even a spoon or, or something weird, which, are finding, which we are finding every day in our images. But nowadays, it's very helpful. But if we are only Looking at the five big five I talked about, and they are automatically sent in a structured report. 
then I would be very happy to use this report and just add the problems I maybe have seen in addition or, or not seen. And, and this is reachable. This is um, a point we want maybe reach at the end of this year, at least next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's really a wonderful future, right? Because it's like, as you said, it's not only helping the entire process of the clinical work, but it also helping the algorithm developer because these are machine readable. So that it's much easier to really train on new data set without bothering the radiologist to okay, redo all your annotation on your new data set. It's just too cumbersome. So I guess another point that I have is around the fact that you are uh, working on primarily X-ray and X-ray from many different, uh, I guess, vendors, many, many different centers. So that also means you have to have a certain level of quality control for your homegrown AI. And it's also, I guess, quality control for the X-ray itself. Because when I look at, for example, uh, X-rays taken at ICUs, I see often missing lung parts because of, or it's not aligned properly. There are many problems, real problems that happen at the ICU that makes things so difficult and chest X-ray is often taken there. So what's the really rigorous way to ensure that your homegrown AI maintains a certain quality of diagnosis? Mm, that's a big issue. Um, quality is a big issue in imaging and Seriously, it is kind of the most frustrating parts in daily routine because all the colleagues are working with their hearts on the ECUs, on the, on the intensive care. Even in times of corona, you have to notice they have to take several steps to get to the patient, to get the images, and back in this three, four, five, six times a day. And, and it's very annoying now after two years. But they have to deliver perfect images, at least. And even before Corona and even before the development of this AI, we have a big issue in quality. So especially in Germany, I think it's a good system of re-evaluating or to, that you are forced to re-evaluate the quality of your images. Otherwise, you get a big problem with the people who are giving them money for this imaging. And these are the Zentrale Stelle, Central Stelle from the Ärztekammer. And, and there are some other guys looking at our imaging. The toughest control, at least, is in sonological imaging for the MAMO screening. We have to deliver at least 99% perfect images. If you're taking one MAMO or 1,000, you have to be sure to get perfect imaging and yeah that's a problem and this is also a question of resources and also a question of feedback and feedback loop for the technicians maybe in a shorter time and you are sure if we're talking about ai um only one aspect is to look at images and to re to evaluate images but the other aspect is to use ai as a tool right beneath the technician, right in the hands of who is taking images. It, it's seriously and every day 
done with our smartphone, the image quality is optimized and everything is corrected automatically. But I'm sure that some part of the AI will help the technicians in everyday routine to get perfect imaging, to get a direct feedback loop in the second they are looking for the, or they are taking the X-ray. Just you are taking it or you're looking at the image or you're looking at the patient and the system tells you, oh, oh, stop, this is not the right focus. Stop, this is not the right positioning of the patient. You have to correct these or that. And yeah, that's one aspect we would emphasize and we will work out in the next years, I think, to use AI in different steps of this imaging um, chain, at least. So I guess, I mean, one follow-up sort of would be that unlike the normal images, let's say, if you have your blink detector that detects, ah, someone might be blinking, take the image picture again. If you do the same thing, I guess in, with X-ray, it means more radiation exposure to the patient, right? So it has to be a sort of balance between how many snapshots you can take in versus what is the optimal quality that you can go for. So I guess the other question I had is around the problem of regulatory process that you had to go through with Siemens, with this entire chest X-ray. So how how was it? How difficult was it? What were the most challenging things in that regulatory process? What was easier than you anticipated? So can you give us a little bit of your experience of that? Yeah, it's mainly on the shoulders of Siemens. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very helpful or I'm very thankful to have a, a strong partner like Siemens. And I want to say thanks to all the guys working on this project by Siemens, especially Clemens and Alexander and Andreas, because they figured out where could be a problem in future, where is something we have to seriously take care of for. And right from the start, we emphasize that the findings our system is taking are not a proper diagnosis. And that was my job to do too communicate to the clinical colleagues that this running system is a companion. It's, it's a companion and not your chief. <laughs> yeah, so the findings we are talking about are suggesting you have to take care about this pneumothorax. Have a closer look at that. Or this patient seems to have a consolidation and if he has a fever about 41 degree and is feeling very sick, then you can complete the puzzle to a diagnosis. But be careful about just using the image and the AI evaluation and say he has a consolidation or even some other disease like a tumor. And if you look at this technique from that point, there are no big boundaries closing it in but if you have a somebody who says or tells you what is the versus problem what will happen if maybe a wrong diagnosis is taken and the patient will come to death and then we 
will break out this technique forever, I think. It's, it's the same like using, and we have to discuss this more decently for the next years, it's the same as you use a self-running car in daily traffic routine. The point or the day will come if there's if there are three uh, decisions to take, turn right on and kill yourself and destroy this car or take a turn to the right and maybe kill a person named A or turn to the left and kill a person named B <laughs> or kill yourself. That, so these decisions are very serious and we have to talk it again and again, and these are ethical problems, and we have to discuss this in a, in a broader range in future every day, I think, because these problems are serious and these problems will occur as long as or as we will we'll exaggerate the AI in daily routine. It's not a question right now, not in my side, not in my setup, because we clearly figured out that this AI Red Companion is only a companion and the help to make a decision. If some steps more are taken, I'm not sure. And if we are talking about, let me say, triage, yeah? if we have another pandemic situation with another disease, I hope I, that will never ever happen. But if a chest X-ray taken has to make a decision this patient is desperately ill, don't care about him, and the other one is to be separated, or these decisions are have to be done in a short time manner, like three or five minutes, then we are talking about this problem again. What is the advantage and what are the problems with AI? What are the ethical decisions? But for me, it's not a problem right now. I'm very fine with that. Yeah, that's that's really a good point you have made. That if we are talking about making healthcare AI ready or AI healthcare ready, ethics plays a very central role there. I guess the the biggest concern for our researchers in Mikai society, though, we are developing more of the advanced AI algorithms for medical imaging, but we often are not sure what sort of questions we should focus on so that we know that translation is possible from our, let's say, computers to actual clinic. Can you give us some sort of ideas of what we should be looking for when we are thinking about the translational potential of the questions that we are trying to answer? Yeah, you are really pointing your finger in the problem of communicating the different groups which are necessary to get these things running. And, and you're pointing right in the in the heart of the problem to get um the systems into daily routine because they are strong strong groups and firstly you need to talk. You need to talk with each other. You have to talk like the doctors have to talk with the IT specialists. The IT specialists have to talk to the 
programmers, the programmers or the IT or the algorithm developer have to talk to all the other people. And at least we have to have, a, have an ear on the patients. What do they mean about or do they reflect what is happening in medicine and what are the needs of the patients in the hospitals, in the practices, in, in daily routine, maybe in other countries where the medical system and the techniques are not as built up as in Germany. And I have heard about India where they are taken at least a lot of X-ray images last year, but over 100,000 images are officially not seen by any radiologist because they don't have the, the human resources to look at these images. And this system can for example, solve those problems, at least for a, for a big part of those problems. And this is what we have done here for the last five years. We are meeting at least weekly. We have a geofix um, to get our meetings together with India, with Boston, with Munich and Erlangen, and again, Boston, Munich, Erlangen, Tokyo, and we have to talk, we have to discuss what is helpful, what would be at least what be my dream as a radiologist, but this could sharply differ from the dream which has a normal surgeon on night shift and a surgeon in daily routine or an orthopedical colleague or a patient or a yeah, somebody who's running a hospital. <laughs> so we have very different ideas of what would be possible and what are the needs. But if you talk with each other, you will surely find out what is the point to go and where is the street or the path you have to take. And this is a process which is only gettable by going. It's this path. You can't wait until somebody will tell you this is the right way because in every situation your optimal path is a different, maybe only a slightly different path. There won't be a software, an AI, which is suitable and the best for everyone. But I think the companies will make it adaptable for everyone so that can give the software or the AI solution you will need in future. Maybe different small aspects, but at least you have a powerful technique and it's easily to adjust it to your special needs. And But yeah, that's the point. Yeah, I, I, I think what you made makes total sense that communication is the real key. And what we are trying to do is more like bringing technical solutions to the problems of clinic. And that basically means we have to go out and ask the clinicians what is the real problem that there is. We can't just assume this is the problem and find imaginary solutions to imaginary problems. Sorry to interrupt you, but this is really interesting. And this is really interesting for me as a radiologist or a clinician to talk to the technician or the guys who are working on that systems in the front row, because there is at least one point a week where they say, we could do this. For example, we could add easily a camera 
on the X-ray machine to give you an image of the patient, which is X-rayed, or we can help you to get the correct positioning of the patient, maybe in this way or that way. Is Would it be interesting? And this is so fantastic. And it's giving you a new horizon as a, as a radiologist or as a clinician or as a doctor in medicine to notice what maybe is possible and, and then to realize where you can use this technique uh, in future. And that doesn't mean that you have a clear image of what will be there in five years because going one step after another opens a complete new field of possibilities. And if this system is running properly and has a good performance, then you can take the next step and giving you new opportunities and next step and new opportunities. And then you have to evaluate and re-evaluate not only the performance of the AI or your algorithm, but you have to look how are the colleagues referring and how are they reacting to this technique? Is the delivering of the information correct? Now we have a system running which making um, magenta squares in the PEX images. I'm sure you have seen those. Uh, and, and maybe in future, they will have another appearance. You can have it interactively. So uh, there are so many feasible features which are at least um, have a prospect in future or not. That, that's very dynamic process, yeah. Wonderful. That's that's really a good summary of why we actually need communication. I think you also mentioned about the global health and where that can bring a lot of benefits, basically bringing AI to those places. Like, for example, I know Bangladesh has a population to radiologist ratio of 1 million to 1. So in such a place, any companion is bringing immense benefit, immense value. So I guess we are towards the end of our session and let's imagine a complete different world <laughs> where you don't have to be busy three minutes with a new call and you have no such interruption and you have enough resources and you can focus on one major question for the, let's say, next five years. What would be the one question that you would focus on? <laughs> Is there really one question? But let me say it this way. I would wish that Germany and the system, so that we will be, if you look AI as a train, as a, as a development and a picture as a train which we are riding, I don't want to be one of the wagons hanging on this train. And I want to be on the locomotive. <laughs> At least I want to be at the steering wheel and say, okay, we have to go faster or we have to go slower or at least we have to go back for some miles to reevaluate and get a decent insight into some aspects. But I hope that some aspects about data security and all the problems won't break us out in the next weeks or years so that we are able to develop these systems very fastly, very um, robust, very practical and get those on the road for several reasons. And, and two years ago on the ECR in Vienna, 
I had a talk about the AI and development, and I said a very funny sentence. I said the um, colleague asked me, "What do you think about AI in future? And isn't it ruin your job?" And I said, "No, the AI will save the ass of radiology." <laughs> But it's the point because I'm sure we won't get the numbers done. We won't get the big things done in the next 10 years without this technique. I'm absolutely sure. We are running out of resources. We are running out of doctors. We are running out of technicians. We are running out of people who are able to look at, look at this big amount of imaging we are producing. And it's not the problem of the machines. They are here. It's a problem of human resources. And AI will us to be able to use these machines and, and to process it into a benefit for the patient and not. So you won't care about an MRI machine if nobody's there to look at your images which are taken there. And, and, and this is a serious problem in the future and it's becoming more and more and more and more. Not only the reimbursement is a problem, um, but the simple resource of doctors and technicians. Wonderful. That's that's really a great point that you have made that I guess radiology got so distant from the patients itself. And uh, like you are more becoming computer scientists like us sitting in your reading room and reading reports after reports, but somehow the first reason of becoming doctor, being close to patient is something that AI can bring back to you, making yourself less busy in your reading room than the trend is. So, yeah, on that wonderful note, thank you so much for your time, Karsten. Okay, you're welcome, Anirban. Every time I enjoy your talk and your correspondence, have a very nice year and to all listening to us, happy day. Yeah, bye-bye.